0: Let the worshipers arise. Oh, Father, I see that you were drawing. Amongst us, or our sister Tracy Rivas, our brother EBA, and just the different ones, our brother Tim, overseas. And if you just have a need, just lift it before the Lord, he will see and answer that prayer.
1: Precious Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord. Father, you've done so much for us, Lord. When we thank, Lord, of all that you've given us, Lord, only if you would have just given us yourself, we would have been rich, blessed beyond measure, Lord, but you poured out, given us so much, Lord. You've blessed us. You've been so faithful, Lord healed us when we're sick, Lord. You've provided when we're in need. You've taken care of us, Lord. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us, Lord. You've been a faithful friend, a a husband, Lord, a provider, a healer, a savior. Oh, you're our warrior, Lord. You go before us and fight our battles, Lord Jesus. How can we close our mouths and hold back our praise when we think of all that you've done for us Lord we worship you Lord we praise your name this is the house of praise and truly we want to lift up our hands and our voices unto you and say that we love you Lord we worship you Lord we praise your name we give you the glory and the honor that you are due, Father. You're the greatest. You're the highest. There's none above you, Lord. There's none beside you, Lord. We give you the glory, Lord Jesus. We lift up our voices unto you, Father, a mighty conqueror, the great I am. The, Great Savior of our souls and the healer of our bodies. You're still the same today, yesterday, and forever, Lord. You're still with us, Lord. You're still providing for us, Lord. You're still living and alive in our midst, Lord. And you're here tonight, we believe. You're our healer. We believe you're more than enough for us, Lord. You're our portion, Lord Jesus. We believe, Lord, tonight you can come in a supernatural way, Father, We believe that you can move in every unspoken request. We believe that you can break every chain and shackle of the enemy, Lord. We believe that you can fill every soul that's hungering and thirsting for you. We believe that you're still, Father, in the business of saving souls. I pray that you would just baptize us tonight with your presence, Lord. Baptize us with your love, Lord. Pour it out like a fountain upon us, Lord we're hungering and thirsting for you, Lord Jesus. Fill our cups, Lord, we pray. Oh, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you, oh God. You are worthy of it all, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of it all, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, speak to our souls. Take your servant, Lord, out of the way minister through his mortal lips the words of eternal value to our souls lord change our lives lord god take us deeper lord take us higher lord jesus change us we pray lord we stand open before you tonight lord whatever you would have for us lord Rebu- rebuke reproof instruction lord feed our souls we pray lord We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight. We welcome your Holy Spirit. Have your way, Lord. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. You may have your seats this evening. Brother Andrew has a special for us as he gets ready. This is a quick announcement from Brother Michael. From Brother Michael and the deacons. We are only down to one air conditioning unit. So Sunday will be very warm. So please bear with the brethren as they fix that. Um, So maybe just lighter. We will try our best to keep it cool for you guys. God bless you. God bless you
2: tonight. Don't let this be a, a special... Don't need to look at me. I just trust that this song would bless you and that you just enter into the spirit of worship. I just came. God will make this trial a blessing. That's the love he has for me. God will make this trial a blessing. Though it sends me to my knees. Though my tears flow like a river. Yet in him there's sweet relief. There's no need to get. To get discouraged. I don't use the word defeat. God will make your trial a blessing. And though
0: sing this course, Worship the Lord as our brother Jean comes. Amen. I just love these words. Since I feel sometimes we can just say them and say them and not really understand the full grasp of it. I, I really love the second verse where it says sometimes he may seem to be silent but that is when he's working. Amen. We'll start with the first verse here. Oh God will not Reject your prayer Praying makes you
3: strong
4: the second verse back up there Ian? I love this verse as brother Anthony was talking about. It is important to understand when God is speaking. How many understands how God speaks? Sometimes he may seem to be silent. The key word there is a seem. It may seem like God is silent but in his silence what's actually happening? He's working. So you think about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They pray, Lord, don't let us go in this fiery furnace. Even if you send us, my God is able to deliver us. Maybe they felt that before they get to the fiery furnace, God will step in. But in his silence, what was actually happening in another realm, God was working with his angels. Who's going to go there? This angel said, I will go. He says, no, no, not you. He says, you know what? I will go myself. While they were working, waiting, God was working. Working on the answer. And the answer was that he came himself. He is the answer. Sometimes you may look for an answer, but He is your answer. He may not give you an answer, but He is the answer. How many believe tonight that God has heard your prayers? That God has heard your cries? And that He is working on your behalf? And the proof that He is working is that He sends His Word. His Word comes forth as an answer to your prayer. So tonight, maybe the Word of God will come forth in a way that you do not expect. Just remember, He heard your prayers. Because that's the reason why God sends His Word. To meet your needs. Hallelujah. Worship Him in the good times. In the bad times. When He's speaking, or when He's silent, when He demonstrates His power, or when He folds His arms, He's still God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful to be in Your presence tonight, Lord. be worshiping a living god lord you are a good god father we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your kindness lord we thank you for the mountaintop experience lord as brother andrew sang we thank you for the valleys we thank you for the trials lord for three it all lord you're good we thank you father we pray tonight that you take your word lord minister to your people that are hungry lord indeed lord we are hungry but there is food Spiritual food in due season, prepare and ordain of God for this day. Feed our souls, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, musician. Let's turn to the word. Let's open our Bibles in the book of Genesis, chapter 45. Genesis 45, verse 1 to 8. Read, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh were heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, that my father yet live. And his brethren could not answer him for their trouble at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years have the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you, a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither but God and he have made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Let's turn to Psalms 145. Psalms 145 verse 9. Maybe we can read this verse together. Psalms 145, verse 9. Let's read together. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we've read Your Word, Lord. And no man has the right to inject his own thoughts and his own ideas. Lord, Your Word, Father, is pure. Therefore, he requires the Holy Spirit to minister to your people, Lord, in its purity, Father. For the moment a man injects his own thoughts, it kills the effects of the word, it corrupts the word. But, Lord, we want the word to go into the hearts of your predestinated seed, Lord, in its purity, in its power, that the Holy Spirit will make it real to our hearts. So, circumcise my lips, circumcise our ears, circumcise our hearts, Lord. May you overwhelm us with your presence tonight, Lord, that your glory may be known tonight and your name may be praised in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Pray for me tonight. I'm going to try to speak on this subject that, that I've had on my heart for maybe a year, but not really having a direction. And it just seemed to be opening up a little bit more this past couple of days, actually. And in my mind, I'm so wrestling even now as to how to approach it. So pray for me. And I know that it's going to be a blessing to somebody. We read in Psalms 145 verse 9. And I know those two scriptures seem to be uh, disconnected. But, but we'll see by the grace of God if we can bring those two together. But in Psalms 145 verse 9 where we read it says, The Lord is good. How many can say amen to that? Amen. God is a good God, isn't He? Yes. The Lord is good. But it just doesn't stop there. It says He's good to all. Not just good to his elect, not just good to those who serve him, not just good to those who worship him. He's good to all. That's quite a statement. God is good to the wicked. He's good to the good. He's good to serpent seed. He's good to his own seed. He's good to nature. He's good to all of us because he is a good God. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Everything that God does demonstrates or testifies of his mercies. The sun, the moon, the trees, the air we breathe, the mountains around us, everything that He does is His tender mercies towards us. Now, this scripture will be disputed by most people today. Is God good to all? Some may agree that He's good to a select few, but to say that He's good to all, well, that's quite a statement. Because we can all agree that God is good to those who serve him, to those who worship him. And we can probably all say, yeah, amen, he's good. But no, the scripture doesn't say that. It says he's good to all. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. When God pours natural rain, who benefits from the rain? Everyone. The, the good seeds, the bad seeds, the weeds, the tares, all of us, everybody benefits from the rain because he's a good God. Now furthermore, some people will even argue with the premise that God is good at all. Because we've all heard this rhetoric, if God is good, how come there's so much suffering? How many have heard that? Yeah. If God is a good God, how come there's innocent people who suffer? If God is a good God, then how come there's children born with defects? If God is a good God, why do the innocent die? If God is a good God, how do we explain famine around the world? Why, how do you explain lives that are destroyed? People that are just simply living their lives and that are caught up in politics, in wars, and they lose their houses. People die, people suffer. There's so much suffering in the world. There's so much pain and grief in the world. Yet God is good. How is He a good God when He allows those things? I, I, I can't believe that God is good. How many have heard that, that argument? And you'll find that that's one of the rhetoric that, that atheists or agnostic we use, you say that God is good, there is no God. Because look at the suffering around the world. That's the evidence that there's no God. If God was good, the world would be at peace. If God was good, there would be no suffering. If God was good, there would be no pain. If God was good, and that's a mental, carnal understanding of the goodness of God. Yeah, the prophet of God says this in the message how the angel came to me. He says, Oh my, the world's full of it everywhere. Oh, it's full of the goodness of God. The world is full of the goodness of God. Now, that's prophetic insight here. That's prophet optics. Because we can look at the world in our natural eyes as everybody looks around the world. Where is the goodness of God? It's chaos everywhere. But the prophet of God says, the world is full of His goodness. And how many believe the prophet tonight? How many can say, indeed, it is true? The world is full of the goodness of God. Now, some people will understand if bad things happen to bad people. will say, okay, that's fine, they deserve it. But there is an indignation when bad things happen to good people, right? If, if in the world, everybody that was good, pure, holy, righteous, kind, noble, if all those people had good fortune, there would be no complaints. they will be like, yeah, these are good people, good things happen to them, that's fine. And these bad people are suffering, they deserve it. But when we see bad things happening to good people, that's what the question is. That's why it's a paradox. Then How can God be good when He allows bad things to happen to good people? But the truth is, there is no such thing as good people. The Scriptures agree with me. Psalms 14, verse 3, They are all gone say, They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So, do good things happen to bad things happen to good people? Not according to scripture, there's nobody who's good. So, this, this very scripture already destroys this argument that God is not good. Because if He was good, then why is He allowing bad things to happen to good people? Well, who is good? The scripture says no one is good. So, everybody who's receiving bad things, bad things happening to them, the scripture says that nobody is good. So, if you wanted to look at it from my perspective, you probably deserve it. Nobody is good. The only person who's good is God. My title tonight is the trail of his goodness. The trail of his goodness. Now, so our assertion that bad things happen to good people is a fallacy. Because no one is good. Therefore, it begs the question, what is goodness? Goodness can be defined, according to the dictionary, as a state or quality of being good. Of being kind, virtuous, adequate, pleasant, agreeable. And each society has a standard of goodness. What may seem to be good in North America, for example, is probably may not be good in Latin America or maybe in Europe. Or what's good in Africa is probably not good here. What's good here might not be good in Africa. Every society has their own standard of goodness. So then when we say that God is not good, who's the standard of goodness? Who sets that standard to judge that he's not good? How do you come to that conclusion based on what standard? Your standard, the North American standard, the Catholic Church standard, your own ideas, sciences standards, your own society, your own belief system. What is the standard? And humanity has a moral standard of goodness. You know, in general, as human beings, we have generally agreed upon standard of goodness. We know certain things are good and certain things are evil. And we define goodness as being the opposite of bad or the opposite of evil. But then the question is, what's evil? Who sets the rules of what is good and what is bad? Right. Let me give you an example. Stealing is bad. We agree? Actually, it's punishable under the law of Moses and in all modern societies because you're taking, you're taking possession that belongs to somebody else. It's a bad thing, right? Right? Stealing is bad. We can generally agree that to steal is a bad thing. However, if a mother was to steal food to feed her children, is that bad or is that good? How many think it's bad? (laughs) Probably probably nobody, right? I think everybody here is like, oh, she's a saint, right? (laughs) She's feeding her children, but she's stealing. So what is normally considered a bad thing under these circumstances, all of a sudden, actually, it's probably not bad. It's a good thing that she stole. So you see, even in humans, we are not even too sure ourselves of what goodness is in the first place. Because what once was bad in this context, now, oh, actually, it's good. What she did was good. But if somebody goes to seal, it's like, that's a bad man. But yeah, this woman, that's a good woman. So what is the standard of goodness? Is she good for feeding her children, or is she bad for taking someone else's property? So very quickly, we begin to see a difference of opinions here when it comes to the morality of such actions. So even amongst humans, agreeing on what is good is a difficult thing. So that's funny to me that even humans, they don't even have a good point to agree upon what goodness is, yet they have the guts to say that God is not good. On what basis? Because even yourself as a human, when you talk to your fellow human and you all discuss these things, you don't agree on what goodness is. So when you're saying that God is not a good God, what's your basis for saying it? So some may adopt another conception of goodness, which will be to act in a way that doesn't inflict any harm or pain to somebody else. And then you might argue that, well, this woman she didn't inflict any pain or cause any harm, so what she did was good. But actually, she inflicted financial harm by stealing something, right? Now, today, if this, if this happened in today's society, and a woman, you know, went and she was caught stealing to provide for her children, and a policeman came and instead of arresting her, he says, you know what? I'll pay for what you stole. I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. Go home and feed your children. And this was... You know, recorded on a video and it went on YouTube and on social media. It will go viral. It will be like, oh, my faith in humanity is renewed. How how many have seen those things? This is like, oh, my faith in humanity has been restored. I used to think that humanity was bad. Then I found this one good policeman. You know, instead of arresting this woman, he paid for her. He let her go without penalty. I believe in humanity again. Because everybody will see, yeah, this is a good deed. This policeman is a good guy but is it actually good for not applying the law is it good or is it bad so now the question is what is goodness so if she was arrested is the cop bad for applying the law or is he a good cop what is goodness so now let's say that indeed that was a good act and the cop paid for her she's released she goes home no harm no foul it's paid for that's good now, all of a sudden, we establish your precedence and the standard that every man who gets caught stealing ought to be dealt with the same way. So if I get caught stealing an iPhone, somebody ought to come and pay for me too. And say, you know what, John, don't worry about it. I'll pay for your phone. You go back home. Then we have to deal with every human the same way to be fair. Then now you cannot be a fair and just society because you've broken all the principles and all the rules that regulate society. So how can you be good? How is this a good thing? If that woman is let go without any penalty, is that good or is that bad? I'm provoking your thoughts here. Now let's say that the woman steals and she's not caught. She goes back home and she feeds her children. She did what any mother would do, right? But then listen to the manager of that store where she stole food. Let's say that he had been dealing with missing items for months on his watch. And then he was on a short leash with his boss. and say, People, things keep missing every time you work. What's going on here? Now, this woman happened to steal the day he's working, and now he's in trouble. She goes back home, and she feeds her children. But now this man who owns that store, he's in trouble. Because yet another thing is missing. So let's say he gets in trouble with his boss. And I'm building a case here. He gets in trouble with his boss. He loses his job. Right? And then after that, he gets into debt because he has no job. Then his wife leaves him. Then he becomes a drunkard. Then one day he gets beyond the wheel and goes driving home one day and kills a couple in a car accident. A couple that was going, going back home from a date night. Now the couple leaves a baby with no sibling, no family, who ends up in child protection service. He goes into foster care gets with the wrong crowd, gets exposed to drugs and gets addicted for years. One day he robs a man coming back from church and kills him to steal his wallet and that family is left without a father. Now we can trace all this series of negative incidents to one seemingly good act. Are you following me? One seemingly good act of, act of goodness, a woman stealing to feed her children. Now, I'm saying this for a point. What may seem good to good to us? Is it actually good? We have a short vision. We can only see this far. We do not see the ramifications. We do not see the implications. We do not see the consequences of what actions we pose that we consider to be good. Now, this woman, what she did may have seemed to be good. And to the majority of humanity, knowing this story that she stole to feed her children, that would be a good deed. But now the consequences of her good deed are bad. Somebody lost his his job, and because of that, lost his wife. Because of that, got drunk. Because of that, got into a car accident. Because of that, killed somebody. And there's a chain of, there's a reaction here of incidents after incidents that originate from a good act. So you see that it's impossible for us to be good. Because now if I ask you, was this woman a good woman? Now that you know the results of her act, we can all agree, probably not. Because we see that everything that occurred as a result of a behavior was bad. So as humans, what is good? How can we be sure that we're good? What may seem to you to be a good act, is it actually good? So to be good requires the ability to foresee all the consequences of one's action. Therefore, there's only one person who faces criteria of goodness. And it's God. Only God can be good. Because only Him can foresee everything that will happen when He does something. That's why the scripture says that even His works are His tender mercies. That's why the Bible says He is good to all. So when God does something, it's good for everyone. This woman was good to her children. She wasn't good to the store owner. She could only be good to her own family. But God, He is good to everyone. He is good to everyone. So to be good requires the ability of knowing all the consequences of one's action. Therefore, God being omniscient... From the beginning, knowing the end, he knows exactly what is good. So I propose to you tonight that the standard of goodness is almighty God. What is good is what God calls good. What God qualifies as good. What God approves of. In other words, everything that God does is good. There is no other goodness than in God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18, I won't be long tonight, verse 18 to 19, and a certain ruler asked him, saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Scripture. Why callest thou me good? And Jesus establishes here, there's no one who is good. We've read some testify of the same thing. The only person that's good, it's God. In other words, without Godhead, there's no goodness. To have goodness, you need Godhead. Because goodness is God himself. God is the very essence of goodness. He's the embodiment of goodness. The Bible says there's nothing in him that's a lie. It's all truth. There's no darkness in him. There's no evil in him. There's no corruption in him. He's all good. Therefore, everything he does is good. You and I, we don't have the ability to be good because we are corrupt by sin. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We are biased by sin. God has no bias. God is impartial. Amen. So Jesus didn't refute the fact that he was a good master, but he asked him, why callest thou me good? And I believe this is a good question for all of us. We all say God is a good God, but why do you call him good? Why do you call him good? Is it because he provides for your needs? Is it because he gives you life? Why do we call God good? And the prophet of God says, Oh, God said so, but I know God is a good God. He won't do that to me. He says, I hear so much of that. God is a good God. Have you heard people say that? God is so good that I don't think a good God will send people to hell just because of the way you dress. It's like, I don't think God is too good that he doesn't really care about your sexual orientation as long as you love him, right? We hear people have those type of arguments. The fact that the goodness of God means that he's so nice to them that they can do whatever they want. But brother says, God is a good God, but God is the God of judgment. God is the God of holiness, and God is the God of righteousness. God is the God of anger. We'll stand before him when he's angry. The Bible said so, and his very presence will be a consuming fire. That's right. Don't try to judge God. Now, this is where I want you to pay attention. Don't try to judge God by your own feelings. We got to judge God by his words, what he said. Now, when people are saying, God is not good, or is God? If God was good, what are they judging Him based upon? Their own feelings. You cannot judge God's goodness based on how you feel. The standard of the goodness is the Word of God. If you want to see if God is good, look at the Word, and then we'll look into that tonight. I'll carry on and lay a few quotes here for foundation. Brother Adam says. So we want to know that it's all the goodness of God as our gracious brother Ora Roberts has placed it. God is a good God. He certainly is. And now we know he's a good God, but we don't want to depend too much on that. Remember, he's a God of justice too because his holiness makes him justice and his laws must be met. His requirements. And so then, if he is a good God, he has to be good. But many times we get mixed up on what goodness is. We get mixed up on what sympathy is compassion. Watch this, just a moment for compassion. How many believe that Jesus Christ was compassion? Why, well, certainly he was. Now he went down to the pool of Bethesda, and there lay multitudes. It takes 2,000 to make a multitude. So there was multitudes of people laying there, lame, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And Jesus looked around through that multitude of people until he found a man that was, well, he wasn't crippled. He said, when I'm going down to the pool, somebody steps in ahead of me. His disease, he, he had it for 38 years. It wasn't going to kill him. It was retarded, perhaps TB or prostate trouble or something. And he was laying on the pallet, and Jesus made him whole and walked away. And let that great mass of people withered and halt and lame and blind. Isn't that right? And yet had compassion, a compassionate Savior. Right. See, did you notice that he said, when he asked him about it in the 19th verse, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself. But what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. Compassionate is to do the will of God. And that's what a real Christian compassionate is, is to do the will of God. We mix it up all today. We try to put the human element to it. What is he talking about here? He's saying compassion, which is an attribute of goodness. Compassion is not human sympathy. So when people say that God is not good, they're saying that God is not sympathetic to my condition. Goodness is not human sympathy. Compassion is to do the will of God. What does it mean that God is good? Is that He does His will. God fulfills his own will, and that's his goodness. The goodness of God, or the compassion of God is connected to his own will. But brethren says we try to add the human element, and we're getting mixed up. In other words, we interpret God's actions through the lenses of human emotions. Yet our human emotions are tainted by our fallen nature. So our perception of goodness is wrong to begin with. Our own perception of what goodness is, is wrong to begin with. So when a person is saying, well, if God was good, well, your own ideas of goodness is already wrong. So how can you judge God's goodness? Like in love, we try to use love, God's love, like we do human love. You cannot fall in love with God like you do with your wife. You cannot fall in love with God like you do your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's two different loves altogether. We know about this from the team minister on this, on the the filial trap, right? But it says here again, it says, we get the human element mixed up with the Christian godly element, and then we just get a mess out of it. So the reason why we get a mess today is because people cannot separate their own human element with God. Now, God is so much far above us that we're just so so little, as Brother Thomas said, just just a peanut, peanut brain compared to God's intelligence. Yet we can look at God with the audacity and the arrogance to judge Him based on our standard, and that's why it's also difficult to walk with the Lord without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is that Spirit of God that, that bridges the gap. From God's mind to your carnal mental mind. And the Spirit of God comes here in between as a mediator so that you can understand God. Without the Holy Ghost, you have no understanding of God. That's why you're frustrated, you're confused, you're perplexed, you're upset because you're not born again. But when you receive the Spirit of God, you receive His mind, you begin to see things the way He sees them. You begin to appreciate goodness because you understand what goodness is. So people who say if God was a good God, the first thing you need to do, get the Holy Ghost first. Then we can talk about the goodness of God. Until you're born again, you have no opinion that's valid on the goodness of God. Because you need to see things from His perspective to have His mind to be able to understand His thinking. And we hear people say, if God is a good God, then why can't He stop the wars? Why can't He stop all the famine and all the suffering in the world? He's an all-powerful God. I, I was watching this, this man the other day. He said, they said, asked him, do you believe in God? He says, well, if God is all good, then He's not all-powerful. And if He's all-powerful, then He's not all-good. He says, I refuse to believe that He can be those two things at the same time. And he says, let me explain to you my reasoning. He says this, if God was a good God, and he saw all the suffering in the world and couldn't do anything about it, but yet he was good, I would agree, he's good, but he's not all powerful. But I say, but if he had the power to change everything, and yet refuses to change it, then he's all powerful, but not all good. He says, in other words, I don't believe that God can be both at the same time. You're either all powerful, and you refuse to be good, or you're all good, you have no power to change things. I watch this man, I say, oh, I feel sorry for you. Because your understanding of, omnis- of, of omnipotence is even wrong. Omnipotence means the ability to do everything, right? That's what people think omnipotence is. When we say that God is omnipotent, is that he can do anything. But that's not what, what omnipotence means. Omnipotence doesn't mean that God can do anything we want. But rather that God can do anything he wants. That's what omnipotence is. It's not that God can do anything we want. It's that he can do anything he wants. So we view omnipotence in human terms as having no limits, without any limits. We say God is omnipotent because he has no limits. Well, it's not really true. In other words, omnipotence means that God has no human limits. But God is limited by himself. You see, Brother Jean, what are you saying? Well, God is bound by his own nature. That's what I'm saying. Is that being omnipotent will probably suggest that God could lie. But he can't. So he cannot do any, anything, right? He cannot do anything that's against his own nature. So omnipotence has limits. And the limits of omnipotence is God's own nature. In other words, God cannot do anything that goes against who He is. Right? God cannot lie even if He tried to. God cannot fail even if He tried to. God cannot get tired of you even if He tried to because He's eternal. Right? So God is limited by His own nature. So for God to be good according to human standards will require Him to alter His own nature. For God to be good the way you and I perceive good will require God to change who He is. Because if God is good, then that means God is also just, as we read the quote. And I'll read another quote to that effect. The says that goodness is justice. For God to be good, He has to be just. So if God is good, He's equally just. He cannot be more good and less just or more just and less good. God doesn't diminish His attributes. If He's good, then He's equally just. If he's just, then he's equally righteous. If he's righteous, then he's equally merciful. All those attributes are together at the same level. God is a good God, then he's just. So then how can God be good the way you want him to be good and not accomplish his justice or fulfill his justice? Well, then he's not good. Then he becomes good according to human. But he ceases to be God at that point. So white people say that if God was a good God, their understanding of God is that God is a a man like them. (laughs) They think that God is human with human feelings and human limitations and human's way of thinking. That type of a God is not worth serving. I want to serve a God who can be good at the same time as He is just. The cop, in our example, who let the woman go, he was good, but he wasn't just. Because then he compromised with the law, right? And human beings, we cannot be all good. So the fact that God is good means that there's no evil in him. His intentions and motivations are always good. He always does the right thing. And the outcome of his plan is always good. God is a good God. We hear so much about him being a good God. And I believe he is a good God. That's right. He is a good God. But if he's a good God, he's got to be a just God. He cannot give us a commandment to do something, another, and we disobey it and expect to escape the judgment. He's also a God of wrath and a God of judgment. That's what makes him a good God because he keeps his word. What makes God a good God is that he keeps his word. What makes God a good God is that he cannot fail to fulfill his word. But remember, the only way he can be good, this is out of presuming 1962, paragraph 92. But remember, the only way he can be good is to be just. And if he is just, he has to keep his own commandments. So the goodness of God is directly connected to being just, to being fair, to being equitable. God can only be good if he is just. And to be just means to be righteous. In other words, it's to have the ability to do the right thing. Only God can do the right thing. God always does the right thing. When he came to Cain, he says, if you do like your brother, I will accept you. That was the right thing to do. Cain refused to accept God's word, and God put a mark on him, right? That was the right thing to do. Everything that God does is always Right. Whether it feels good, it's always right. If you pray for something and God doesn't give it to you, that's the right thing to do. If you want A and God gives you B, that's the right thing to do. Everything that God does is right. His choices are right. His decisions are right everything he does in your life is right there's nothing that god allows in your life that's out of order. everything he allows is the right thing to do because he cannot do anything else than being right because if he's good then he is just and if he's just then he is right in other words everything that he does is good what are you saying brothers i'm trying to tell you tonight god is a good god there's nothing in your life that's allowed that testifies otherwise anything he lets happen to you is out of his goodness. Amen. Woo! Are you saying that when I was sick, that was the goodness of God? Absolutely, it was the goodness of God that allowed you to be sick in the first place. You say that's false doctrine. Well, Adam was in perfection, right? Never knew what sickness was. Did God allow him to get sick? Yes, through the fall. Is God a bad God? Is he a good God? So it was the goodness of God that allowed the fall. How many say amen to that? It's the goodness of God that allows sin to come into the world. It's the goodness of God that allows you to go, uh, to go into sin and be lost and be born in sin. It's the goodness of God. Because if that wasn't the case, you would never know him. Right. It's the goodness of God that allows sin to come in the world. That he may reveal himself to you out of the goodness of his heart. Everything that God does is good. Everything he allows is good. There's no shadow of turning. There's no variation. All that God does is good. And he is good to all humanity. To every man. From the chiefest of sinners to the holiest of saints. He's still a good God. From the rising of the sun to going down, he's still a good God. From mountain top experiences to the lowest of valleys, he's still a good God. From the mountain of transfiguration to hanging on the cross naked, he's still a good God. It's the goodness of God that allows these things. Wisdom tries to reason and present a better way. Now that's exactly what Satan Told Eve, now you're not going to die. Surely you won't, because God is a good God, All right? Now you're Satan giving Eve a corrupt conception of goodness. Brother says he's good, and the only way I can trust him to be a good God is that he will stay with his word. Gloria. That's the standard of goodness. The standard of goodness. The only way I can trust God. To be good. Why callest thou me good? If the rich young would have had this revelation, he would say because you stay with your word. Why do we call God good? Why do we trust him to be good? It's because he keeps his word. You can't keep your word. Therefore, you're not good. But God keeps his word. So he will never change who he is. And he will keep all his word. And he will do what he said he would do. Therefore, he is a good God. If you say, Behold, I'm the Lord God who heals you of all your sicknesses, He is a good God because He's going to keep His Word. If you say, I will not leave you comfortless, let all your world world shall see me no more, but you shall see me, for I'll be with you, even in you. He is a good God because He has the ability to keep that Word. Friends, He's a good God, I'll admit that, but He's a God of justice. He is a God that requires justice. How can he be just and disobey his own law? How can he defile his own holiness, his own holy laws? So for God to be good the way we want him to be good requires him to defile his own nature. Why did he let 6,000 years of suffering? Here's the answer to people who ask these questions. And perils and death and sorrow strike the human race. He cannot do nothing else but be that. He's just. And he is a God of anger and a God of justice in his holiness. It behooves him to be that. Not one iota. It's right on the line. You come to that or you're on this side or that side. No matter how good you may be, how gentle you may be, or how quiet or how sweet. God in his justice has to keep his word. If God is good, why is there all the suffering in the world? The answer is that all the suffering in the world is because God is good. The suffering and the pain is a result of his goodness. In other words, it's a result of his justice. Because to be good, you have to be just. Now we believe in the goodness of God. David, more than any man in the Bible, certainly believed in the goodness of God. And he sang of it, Psalms 25, 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, we teach sinners in the way? Psalms 33, 5. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 34, 8. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. 105. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Psalms 106, 1. Praise ye the Lord, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 107, verse 8. Oh, that all men will praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, that all men will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Psalms 118, eight, 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Psalms 119, 39. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Psalms 119, 68. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. Oh, I love that. You are good, and everything you do is good. Teach me thy statutes. Psalms 119, 71. It is good for me. That I have been afflicted. Oh my. That I may learn that statutes. Here's a revelation called by David. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Is God a good God? Yes. His afflictions, is a sign of His goodness. The trials that He allows in your life is because He is good. The trials are for your own good. And if you're going in a life without trials, you have not tasted the goodness of God yet. Because the proof of God's goodness is that He allows trials in your life, that He may teach you your statutes, and you need David's revelation. It is good for me to be afflicted. It's simple to say. Praise the Lord for all the good things in my life. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings. But I want if tonight somebody can lift up his hands and say, "Thank you, Lord, for the trials. Thank you, Lord, for the bruising. Thank you, Lord, for the breaking. Thank you, Lord, for the sorrow." Thank you, Lord, for the tears. Praise the Lord for all your goodness. Anybody can praise him in a good time. Anybody can say God is good because he healed me. Anybody can say God is good because he answered my prayer. But is it good when he allowed you to be sick? Yes, he is. Is it good when he allowed that trial in your life? Yes, he is. If he's good in the outcome, then he's good in the process. Right? god is good because he healed me that's the outcome if he's good in your the outcome then he was good by allowing you to be sick in the first place here's the alpha and the omega you give him praise at the end make sure to give him praise in the beginning you're gonna give god praise because he healed your body how about you give him praise because he let you get sick in the first place Woo. You're going to give God praise because He wrestled your children? How about giving you praise for allowing this trial in the first place? Some of you parents are closer to God now than you've ever been in your life because He let your children go wayward. How many are going to praise Him for that I say, Lord, I thank you, though it hurts not to see them in church. It's your goodness towards me. It's the goodness of God. He is either all good or not good at all. Is He all good? Is He all good? Then he's worthy of your praise in the good times. Then he's worthy of your praise in the bad times. He's worthy of your praise when He heals you. He's worthy of your praise when He allows you to be sick. He's worthy of your praise when He answers. He's worthy of your praise when He's silent. Because when he may seem like he's silent, that is when he is working. Romans eight twenty eight: All things work together for the good of those who love God. How many love Him? How many believe is a just God? How many believe is a good God? How many believe is a, a righteous God? How many believe that all things that God does is good? Somebody tell Him tonight: You are a good God. Hallelujah. I want all the heavens to hear your voice say he is a good God. And even louder now for all the demons of hell to hear your testimony that he is a good God. He is a good God. Hallelujah. You send my children back to that he is a good God. I've been praying for years. I have no answers. He is a good God. I haven't felt his presence. He is a good God. He may seem like he's turned his back on me. He is a good God. All other families are being restored. Money is not restored. He is a good God. He seems to be healing everybody else, but I'm still sick. He is a good God. Do you hear that, Satan? Do you hear that, Satan? I quote the Bible, away? Eh? We believe that he is a good God. There are no trials, no demon in hell. That's going to make us change our confession. You may heat the fire furnace seven times. He's a good God. Amen. You may put me in the lion's den. He is a good God. Amen. And even if I go in the lion's den and my bones are destroyed by the lion's mouth, my next breath in heaven. You're a good God. Amen. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art! How great thou art! Oh hallelujah. There ought to be a greater shouting in the church tonight if you can catch this revelation that God is good. Yeah. Yeah. And then He will lift His hand for silence when you begin to say you're good. Angels can say He's worthy, they don't know what they're talking about, they've been created to say just that. But you, when in the midst of your sorrows, you say the Lord is my joy, who? angel silent. That's the song that I want to hear. In the depths of your sorrows, where you can lift up your hands and worship Him regardless of how you feel. That's the song that He wants to hear. It may seem that God is more good to some others. But the scriptures doesn't give us any record of that. God is good. Period. Unchanging. His goodness in giving you life is just as great in giving you the Holy Ghost. You may say that, oh, God is good to them because He healed them when they were sick. But the same God who healed them gave you life. It's the same goodness. The goodness that gave you life, heal them. The goodness that gave you the Holy Ghost, save them, touch them, deliver them. God is all good. Everything he does, he's all good. He's not being more good to somebody else than he's being to you. You say God is only being good to such brother and that sister because she prayed and God answered that prayer. The fact that you're healthy is the goodness of God. You say, I'm sick. Well, the fact that you're still breathing is the goodness of God. You say, well, I just want to, the fact that God gave you even life in the first place is the goodness of God. Everything that you get to enjoy is his goodness. No man will say, God is not being good to me. God is good to everyone. Amen. So everybody has a reason to worship Him. Amen. Everybody has a reason to be thankful for. No excuse. Amen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And coming down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variableness. Neither shadow of turning. Another translation. Every good act or giving... Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of life, with whom there is no variation. Every good God, every good thing given, and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of life, the creator and Sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, or he's perfect and never changes. My. This scripture means that what means, that there's no variation and no shadow of turning. It means that where you find God? In the thousand years, that's where he sees. He stays where he is. He doesn't change who he is. He remains. So because he remains, there's no variation. No shadow. Because he's the father of life, he doesn't move. He doesn't change. I can trust a God like that. He's unchanging. Therefore, I can trust in his goodness to keep his word because he doesn't change. I'm running out of time. Now, Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to His purpose. We may not understand it, we may not agree with it. It may at times seem detestable, for example, the Jews going through the Holocaust, but God's word is true. The Jews either had no Holocaust and stayed in Europe and never see the resurrection, never see the Messiah, or go through the Holocaust. And be forced back into the land to see the Messiah. What is goodness? Now, this is where I wanted to go. I have about 15 minutes left. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful indeed for this grand privilege of assembling ourselves together on this lovely Sabbath evening to worship thee. And to give thee thanks and praise for all that you've done for us. we look back down the trail of our life, we can see the many things that your kindness has granted to us your hand of mercy in time of trouble, and we thank thee for it. What is it saying? We look back down the trail of our life, and we can see the many things that your kindness or your goodness has granted us. In other words, our lives leave a trail. And when we look down the trail of our life, alongside the trail of our life, we find another trail. It's the trail of his goodness. It may not appear to be such when you're going through it. It's only when you look back that you can see the trail. When you are in it, you don't see it. But when you look back, you can look back and see the trail of your life. And alongside the trail of your life is the trail of His goodness. And you can say He was good to be there. He was good to me there. He was good to me there. He was good to me yesterday. He was good to me 2,000 years ago. He was good to me 5 years ago. He was good to me 10 minutes ago. When you look back, all you see is the trail of His goodness. All things work together for good to them that love God. And many times, maybe the lash of His correction is laying upon us. We wonder how that it could be working for the good. But after it's all over, here's the key. After it's all over, then we look back and we praise Him for it. Because we realize that He knew what He was doing. So let me tell you this. Don't wait to get to the end and look back. I say, while you're going through it, praise Him anyhow. Worship Him anyhow. Trust in Him anyhow. Eventually you will come to the point where you look back, but don't wait till you get there to say, "Oh God, you were good." Anybody can look back and see the goodness of God, but to see the goodness of God while you're in it. You can't plant corn in the springtime and rip at the same time. You plant a seed and it grows to maturity. God plants His word and then it grows right out, and then we look back and say, "Oh, there it was." He says, "Well, sure, we see it. It's been revealed." So when a seed is planted, if you did not see the seed that went in the ground, you don't know what it is. But when the seed produces fruits, and when that seed is revealed, the revelation of the seed testifies of what seed went in the ground. Right? I walk past a mango tree, I'm like, oh, somebody planted a mango seed. Right? But I could not tell what seed it was until it was revealed. So in other words, it's the revelation of the purpose that explains the past. You say, Brother John, what are you saying? It's only in looking back that we have understanding. Revelation explains the past. So when the purpose of God is expressed and revealed, all of a sudden, the path that He led you through makes sense. When God is leading you, it does not make sense why He's leading you this way, that way. It doesn't make sense why He allows you to go through this and that. But when the purpose of it all is revealed... And you begin to look back. You look at the trail of your life. You now understand why it had to be that way. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they thought, oh, glory to God, we are out of here. Just a short journey, will be in Canaan, right? And as we're going, God begins to lead them in the pillar of fire. And it leads them to a place that looks like a numbers.? right? There's a race in front of them. On the there's Mountains, on the there's Mountains, and beyond them, this Pharaoh's army. In that very moment, it doesn't make sense. Why did you lead us this way? I thought you loved me. I prayed. Why are you doing this to me, Lord? Why me? What unto me? When are you going to hear my prayer? It may seem like he doesn't know what he's doing. But when Miriam was dancing on the other side of the Red Sea, all of a sudden, it makes sense. Why it had to be the Red Sea? Because that was the only way God was going to destroy their enemies forever. You just wait a little while. It's going to start making sense. Why it took God 10 years to bring your child back. It's going to start making sense. Why you waited 20 years to heal your body. It's going to start making sense. Why you waited 5 years to restore your marriage. You're going to start saying, oh, now it makes sense. Because the revelation of the purpose explains the journey. Now, let me tell you, let me say it like this. How many have solved the puzzle? Most of us, if not all of us. Every piece of a puzzle, when scattered, doesn't make sense. Right? You unbox the puzzles, pieces everywhere, you pick a random piece, you're like, what is this thing? It makes no sense. But because you've solved enough puzzles, you know by now that each piece has a purpose. That each piece has its place. So even if you get frustrated with one piece, you can't seem to place it. You're like, I don't see what this thing does. It has to be a mistake somewhere. Like, ah, oh, I'm gonna throw away this piece. You know better. You know better that hold your horses, there's a purpose for that piece. Because you've done this before, you know. Even if you while you're in it, you cannot see the purpose of that piece. Wait, be patient, have patience, just wait and see. Right? So, sometimes if you're frustrated, you want to throw away the piece, you know that if it's in the box, then it contributes to the image you need to attain to. If it's in the box. If the manufacturer put that piece in the box, that piece has a purpose. It's not random. Now, I agree with you, because these puzzles are made by humans and the machinery, they could be mistakes. But when God gives you a puzzle, if that piece comes in the box of your life, If God has allowed that piece of a trial in your life, there's a purpose for it. You may look, you may seem to be frustrated. I don't want this trial. I don't see where this piece fits in your purpose. I want to throw it away. Just get me out of this trial. Relax. Relax. There's a purpose in the puzzle. Relax. So every trial and every circumstance, every path, everything God allows in our lives, when you isolate them, They look like there's no purpose to it. It creates frustration. We get tired. We get upset. We grieve. Because all this piece is isolated. Make no sense. That's when we begin to murmur. I have a bad attitude of what we're going through a trial. Because we don't see the purpose. But when the puzzle is solved. And when we begin to see the picture that the author had in his mind. All of a sudden the light bulb goes on. Then this piece that I know you. You start to understand, oh, yeah, I see. It had to be here. Yeah, without this piece, I could not solve this puzzle. All of a sudden, the light goes on because you've achieved the purpose. Once you get to the purpose, every trial, every heartache, every pain, every tear, everything that God allows in your life, all of a sudden, the divine light bulb goes on. And you say, oh, Lord, I thank you because now I understand I needed that trial. I needed to go through that remember the Tom went through what he went through he certainly did not understand the agony and the pain in hospitals for months after months why why but I tell you now if you ask him when he looks back the trail of his life and he looks at the trail of God's goodness he says I needed that Says, Lord, I thank you because now I understand to be Tom Ray that I am today. It took that trial, it took that pain, it took those tears, it took that betrayal, it took all the things I went through. Because now the puzzle is complete, every piece makes sense. Now, let me tie this together for a close. Back to Joseph. How does this all tie into Joseph? Simple. I could go part two on this, but let's end this here. God showed him a dream that his brothers would bow down before him. But God showed him a dream that his father, mother, and brothers would bow down before him. Then he was hated by his brothers and thrown into a pit. Falsely accused and thrown into jail. He faced his brothers and then he realizes that they were willing to protect Benjamin, but they didn't hesitate to sell him. Remember the account? When it says, bring Benjamin. It says, no, our father will die. That's the son of his love. He will take Benjamin, he will die. Take me. Here they are willing to sacrifice themselves for Benjamin. Yet they did not hesitate to sell him in the heartbeat. But now he had come to the revelation of the purpose of the suffering. The famine allowed him to see the purpose of God in preserving life. And having come to that revelation... All of a sudden, his past starts to make sense. Right. Until that point, it doesn't make sense. You're so wondering, Lord, you showed me that, the, that my brothers were battling before me. I don't understand. Like, what have I done? Why am I hated? Why am I falsely accused? Why am I being thrown in jail? Why is Potiphar's wife lying about me? What's going on in my life? And you can wonder and wonder and wonder because you don't see the purpose. Right. But when the famine came, and all the lands of the earth were struck by the famine. And only Egypt had grain. All of a sudden, the purpose is made clear. And now the revelation of the purpose begins to explain the past. Your past, that's mysterious. When God's purpose is made clear, this revelation interprets the past. It's no longer a mystery because now you, still, you now understand why it had to be that. Now, if you ask Joseph, is God a good God? He will say, yes, absolutely. But not because he made me Pharaoh's right-hand man. But because he allowed my brothers to hate me in the first place. Because if God is good at the end, then he was good at the beginning. Always. God will not take half worship. He's either your Alpha and your Omega Or is your nothing? You cannot just say God is good because now I'm here. If he's good there, he was good then. Joseph didn't say he's a good God because now I'm the most powerful man on the face of the earth. God's goodness, all the trail of his goodness, could be traced back to his brothers hating him in the first place. Because if his brothers did not hate him, he would never become Pharaoh's right hand man. Joseph, is God good? Yes, he is good. Why? Because in his goodness, he allowed his brothers to my brothers to hate me. In his goodness, he put it in their heart to sell me. In his goodness, he allowed Potiphar's wife to accuse me. In his goodness, he allowed me to go into jail. In his goodness, he gave Pharaoh a dream. God was good here, he was good there, he was good here, down the trail of my life. All I see is his goodness. So I tell you tonight, start doing, an, uh, start doing an examination of your life. Do the autopsy of your life. Dissect your life. Dissect the trail of your life. And begin to identify the trail of His goodness. Because you will start to see that God was good here. He was good there. He was good there. He was good there. And before you know you realize He was all good. He was always good. Now, his brothers, when they came to see him, he spoke to them through an interpreter, right? He sends them back, puts a cup in the bag, right? Sends them, they come back. And then when he reveals himself to them, now the Bible says they were angry with themselves, right? So I said, don't be angry with yourself. Because now, the way I was looking at this, all of a sudden, they started understanding Wait a minute, Joseph knew all along. Yeah. He knew all along. When we came the first time, he knew. When he sent us back with brain without paying for it, he knew. When we came back with Benjamin, he knew. When he sent us back with the cup, he knew. He knew all along. In other words, Joseph was there all along, right. waiting for the right time to reveal himself to them. Right. Amen. So then they start to see that it was the goodness of Joseph. That let them go in the first place. It was the goodness of Joseph that brought them back the second time. It was the goodness of Joseph that put the cap in Benjamin's back. It was the goodness of Joseph he knew all along. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. You start to understand that God knew everything all along. That when you were in the trial, he was there. When you are on your knees crying, he was there. When you felt that nobody understood you, he was there. When you were discouraged, he was there. When it seemed like you had no strength left in you to believe he was there. Then you realized he was there all the time. That he's never left you. That he's a good God. That he's a just God. That he's kept his word to you. Many things in our lives God allows. Because he's going to explain it one day. One day the revelation will come and you understand. And that day might be on this earth. Or on the other side. we will understand it better by and by. Don't wait for the understanding to start acting like a Christian ought to. Because what God expects of sons and daughters is to trust Him. Praising God and trusting Him after is not a sign of trust. Trust comes from a lack of understanding. Because if you understand it, you don't trust because you understand. Trust is to go through things without understanding. And yet being confident in the person leading you through it. And God has done, in li- he's done enough in the word. And I'm going to say he's done in life, enough in your own life. For you to know better. You ought to know better. That he's been faithful to you. And he was always faithful. As brother Michael preached last Wednesday. He was loyal to you. He's a loyal God. He is a good God. He's a just God. Trust in him. For he will never fail. He will walk with you. Along the left ragged trail. Just lift up your hands. right, And give him the praise. Worship the Lord. Amen. Worship the Lord. Not only in the good times. Not when the revelation strikes You understand. Yeah. Yeah. See. Before Joseph could have thought that. My brothers did this to me. They did this to me. I'm going to get them Monday. But one revelation struck him. He says you didn't send me here. As we read verse 7. You didn't send me here. God, send me here. See, Joseph attributed everything that happened in his life to the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that allowed everything to happen to Joseph. I'll say this. The devil gets no credit for what God allows in your life. Zero credit. Zero, zero credit. The devil did this to me. The devil did this to me. The devil wouldn't do anything to you except the goodness of God allowed it in the first place. So when you're going through something, instead of saying, oh God, the devil did this to me, how about you lift up your hands and say, I thank you, Father, for in your goodness, you let me go through my deepest despair. I don't have time. I'm going to close. Brother Obama goes more into this. He says, "The, the... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he says, it was at the highest or the height of the trial, the darkest hour, that God gives a revelation. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Brother Branham talks about losing his wife, losing his daughter. He says, he says, that stumbled me. I didn't understand why God would ever allow that. But he says, then I realized there was too much Branham in me, that he had to squeeze it out of me. Now, you want to be like Jesus, right? How many want to be like him? Now, it's simple to me that if I want to be like God, the person who can help me become like God is God himself. Because he knows himself. He knows who he is. So how do I in my own humanity know what it takes to become like him? I don't know. But he knows. So if you want to be like him, allow him to do what is necessary to make you like him. Because he knows who he is. And he knows what it's going to take to be more like him. And if you still don't resemble him, allow him To have his way in your life. To do whatever he sees fit. To change you into the image of himself. And why does God let trouble come? God harnesses trouble. He puts bits in the mouth. And he makes it to obey him. And those troubles bring us into a closer fellowship with God. We ask for comfort and peace. Listen to this. God gives us the best He could give. Trials and tribulations. How many say amen to that? That's your prophet. We ask for comfort and peace. And God gives us the best. The best that He has to give you. Trials and tribulations. That's better than comfort and peace. Our comfort is beyond the river. It wasn't until the Hebrew children was forced into the fiery furnace... On one of the most outstanding trials. That they have seen one like the Son of God standing among them. Their troubles. Their troubles produced the Son of God. Oh my goodness. Their troubles produced the Son of God. It was when they went into the depths of the trial. When they went into the fiery furnace. In one of their most outstanding trials. It was in Samson's outstanding trials. In his trial, it produced the greatest deliverance Israel has ever seen. It's in your most outstanding trials that it produces the Son of God. Your trials bring him on the scene. So this morning I say, friend, after 31 years of ministry, after 31 years of tolls on the field, I want to make my testimony to this. I've seen disappointments. I've seen the time I've asked for things and cried for things. How many can relate to that? And begged for things and failed to get them. Right? Now, as a parent now, I'm understanding something. Saying yes is easy. But saying no is a proof of love. You say, what do you mean? Well, if my son is crying because he wants something, it's easy to give it to him. But I'm not doing him any good by giving me everything he cries for. Saying no, though it's harder on me, is for his best, for his good. It's better for him. It's easy for God to say yes. But when God says no, know that that's the expression of his love. Because it will be easy for him to give you what you want. And you'll be happy. God loves me. I pray He gives this to me. He answers all my prayers. I want this, I get it. I cry for this, I get it. Oh, God is such a good God. That is not love. Love is to say no. Even though it hurts Him to say no. Because He wants to see you happy. But He knows that what He has in store for you, the character He's working through you, the purpose that He has for your life is better for you. Therefore He says no. So when you beg and cry for things and you don't get it, it's the goodness of God. It says, I'll just patiently wait upon God and I know that He works it just exactly right. He does it just exactly right. He does the right thing. When I lost my baby, my little Sharon, that stumbled me. How can that be for the good? How can it be for the good? And months later, when I see her standing there in all the beauty of a young girl speaking to me, standing by the side of that old wagon broken down, There I know that if she she would live, she might have turned out wrong. God had to take her while she was tender and sweet. I know I'll see her again. I shall see her. I know it's beyond any shadow of a doubt. I think of my wife at 22 years old, taken, just merely a girl, a little mother there. When the papers gave a headline, a young mother reverend just dies. Oh my, my heart bled. But today I know it was all working for my good. I know the life had to be ground and twisted and squeezed to get what in it was. There was too much bread in there that had to be squeezed out before God could make himself known. So now, just like Joseph, who had to reign, there was still too much of Joseph in Joseph. That God had to let him go through the trials to mold his character. Not only was it for his good, but it was for the good of his own family. What the prophet of God went through, not only was it for his good, it was for our good. God let him go through such trials such hardship, such pain to mold a character of a faithful messenger that will be so faithful to the word that he will bring the message of your day and that message will grip your heart and call you out yeah. it's the goodness of god to you that he took his wife yeah. it's the goodness of god to you that he took his baby girl it was the goodness of god to you that brother Branham went through all the suffering he went through yeah. it's the goodness of god through you that your passion went through what he went through It's the goodness of God to you. What you understand or not, everything that God does is for your good. Here's somebody suffering and going through heartache and turmoil and pain for my good. He may not understand it, but it's for my good. You may not understand it, but it's for your good. And we say, Lord, how thankful I am that you did whatever was necessary to mourn a messenger that I may hear the message of my day and be called out by it. It took pain and heartache. To bring the quality of the word that you so love. Play a tape. Press play and hear the prophet say, oh God, thank you for William Branham. Thank you for sending the message by my day. It took pain, heartache, trials down the trail of his life. It was the goodness of God to you. You're Him for that and also praise Him for the goodness of God in your life. They're disguised as trials and suffering, but it's the goodness of God. I must say, it means I am shock you, but it's the goodness of God that allows somebody to lose their job when they're praying for a job. It's the goodness of God that allows EBA to go through where he's going. You see, Jean, it's the goodness of God. Jonas, It's the goodness of God that allows you to go through what you went through. Wasn't it? It's the goodness of God. You say, well, I would rather not go through what I went through. No, because of what you went through, you're so much closer to him now. Victor, wasn't it the goodness of God when your baby boy James was born and the doctor said he has a heart condition flying in a helicopter down Seattle? It was the goodness of God to your family because God came in your fire and he brought you to your knees. It strengthened your wife's faith. It was the goodness of God to your family. It's the goodness of God. Your parents who had children are all gone in the world and now some of them are back or perhaps all of them are back. It's the goodness of God that allowed it. In the first place. Brother Richard. It's the goodness of God to your family. Sister Barbara. It's the goodness of God. You say God Levi. God my son. God my children. It's the goodness of God to you. That you even allow it in the first place. It hurts. But it's the goodness of God. Because when the purpose of it is made known. And when you look back down the trail of your life. All you will see is the trail of his goodness. You say God was good to me. That he allowed my children to go through this that he may bring me here oh i so appreciate brother gilbert i don't know if he's here i don't see him but there he is well, on the morning of the prayer meeting he said i've been praying for my children and i began to think lord perhaps i'm the one who needs prayer what brings a man to that revelation the goodness of god it's the goodness of God that will let him go through the thing to say, you're praying for your children, praying for your children, but maybe pray for yourself because I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to mold you. There's more out of you than I require. And when I squeeze the juice out of you, it's going to be for the good of all your children. Amen. But it's the goodness of God that allows men to go through that to come to that understanding. God is good. How many will lift up their hands and stand to your feet and say, Jean, God is a good God. I believe with all my heart, He's a good God. There's no heights, no depths, no trials, no wars, no weapons. Nothing that will make me change my confession that He is a good God. I may not see it clearly now, but I praise Him regardless. I may, be a, I may not be in a top experience, but I praise Him regardless. Because God is good. Only God can be good. His ways are good. His ways are just. Every decision he makes is good. All he allows in your life is good. Everything God does is good. As Brother Tom will say, who said it's bad? It's all good. It's either you trust him or you don't. How many trust him? How many want to praise him tonight? How many want to worship him tonight? And say, Lord, I thank you for the suffering. I thank you for the financial trials. I thank you that I have nothing to provide for my family, that I may look for a job that God is not giving me anything. I trust in you, and know it's for my good. I'm not a small brat of Laodicea who can only praise God when everything goes well. I don't have the wrong attitude and murmur and murmur and murmur and complain and complain and complain. I'll say, starting tonight, turn your complaints into praise. Turn your murmurs into a testimony and praise Him for what He's yet to do because you trust Him regardless. We ought to be a church who trusts in Him. Do you trust Him? When you pray for the sick and they're not healed, do you still trust Him? When you call on Him and He doesn't seem to show up, do you still trust Him? When you say, Lord, I just need a word from you and He's silent, do you still trust Him? Only want to let things happen in the church that you don't understand. Do you still trust Him? Yes. Put your trust in the Lord. Yes. Don't put your trust in men. And do not lean on your own understanding. Amen. Andrew, can you sing that song again? I was going to call a different song tonight, but I thought this was so appropriate for tonight. The trials that we go through. Simply the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. And I hope and I trust with all my heart that God can take His word. Beyond what I was able to, to, to transmit and convey to you. Let Him make Him so real to your heart. And let a deep peace settle within your soul. Not a temporary peace for tonight, but forever. That you will now understand that as you walk and your life is living a trail, so is God living a trail. And it's the trail of His goodness. And one day you will look back and understand but you don't need for the understanding before you conduct yourself like a mature Christian to. Go ahead. Maybe put the words on the screen. If you know the song, please join in.
2: keep searching for a way out. It seems like padlocks are on the door. Oh, there must be another sunrise, another sunset that I'll see. God will make this trial a blessing. That's the love he has. tears flow. a test that he must face. in that lowest valley. His great strong hand was leading me. Oh, it's good to see the sunshine and to taste sweet victory. God has made this trial a blessing. Oh, the grace he gives to me.
4: need to be discouraged. Don't be discouraged, saints. God will make it a blessing. You may not understand it now. In fact, you may not understand it till you cross the other side. But He'll make this trial a blessing. Do you trust Him? Do you trust the Lord? God wants a people who trust Him. You know, when you look at things from God's perspective, He's so mysterious. He's so great that to walk with Him really requires to trust him but if God can find somebody that can trust him he can do great things without one person just trust him it means a lot to him when you trust him as a matter of fact when you don't trust him Brother says it's an insult to him to not trust him because you're questioning his character you're questioning his morality he's a very embodiment of goodness how can you not trust him That's why he says, if you fathers that are evil, you know how to to give good things to your children. How much more your heavenly father will give you good things. If you trust in one another, you trust in your friends, you trust in mom and dad, you better trust in God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Praise the Lord, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Oh, that all men will praise the Lord, for he is good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Turn away my reproach with the fear, for thy judgments are good. Thou art good. Thou do good. He is a good God. I love you, Lord, for your mercy. Never fails me. We can sing that in closing. I love you, Lord.
3: For your mercy.
4: Trust right. your legs. Make your way to closing a word of prayer. I want to ask you on this side Is he a good God? Yes. Is he a good God? Yes. Is he a good God? Yes. Is God good? Yes. On the balcony, is he a good God? Yes. Close the Bible way yeah. Is God a good God? Yes. Is God a good God? Yes, he is a good God. He is worth our praise. He's worth all adoration. He's worth to be praised from the rising of the sun to his going down. Surely goodness and mercy yes. right beside me. Yes. Psalms 23, Brother Michael. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He brings pastures, He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. He leads me on for His name's sake. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Surely goodness Victor good What a mighty God we serve. He is a good God. He is a good God. He is a good God, Amen. want to shake one another's hands. I want you to say at the end, He is a good God. Go home with a song. He is a good God. On Monday, He is a good God. On Tuesday, He is a good God. When your boss is being nice, He's a good God. When he's being nasty, He's a good God. When you can pay your bills, He's a good God. When you cannot afford your mortgage, He's a good God. When you're healed, He's a good God. When you're sick, He's a good God. When you tore your Achilles, He's a good God.
5: heavenly father we come before you tonight lord jesus lord as brother john has ministered father we look back over our lives and we can only see the trail of your goodness father and so father we this service would be a mess father if we didn't stop in this moment lord to give you praise And Father, not praise Father, just because you've given us things or blessed us or but Father, praise because you stand by your word. Praise because you are God and God alone. So, Father, we lift up your name tonight, Lord, the name that is above every name. Lord, and we give you praise for all that you have done from the beginning of time. Lord, from Genesis, Lord, down to Revelations, you've been true. You've never failed, oh God. And, Father, we can look at you and who you are and what you've made yourself real to us, Lord, and know that you will never fail, oh God. Lord, in the midst of the storm, we give you praise. In the midst of the wind, we give you praise, Father. In the middle of the fire, we give you praise, Father. In the monsoon, we give you praise, Father. Lord Jesus, in the midst of darkness, we give you praise. And Father, we all we see is light because you are light, oh God. So we thank you for the word tonight, Lord, and ministering to our souls. Lord, for it's the word striking the word, the seed that's within us, Lord. And we thank you that you fed our souls tonight. We give you praise, Lord. May we take these things which you've heard now, Lord. Lord, Jesus, not just a mountaintop, but Father, when we step out, Lord, bombarded by the enemy, Father, may we remember that you are good and your mercy endureth forever, Lord. So, Lord, let this word now that we've heard carry us forward, Lord. Lead us now, Lord, as we step out from the service, Lord, and bless us and strengthen us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Father, I feel a tug in my heart, Lord, that husband to wife, uh, husband to wife, Lord, mother to daughter, Lord, child, Lord, brother to brother. Let's just lay hands upon one another. Lord, your prophet will stand at the end of the service and say, don't pray for yourself. Pray for the person your hand is upon. Dear Lord, we come, Lord, as our brother Jean has ministered, Father, as a family. Lord, we can look through this room and see the mighty hand of God upon the lives, Lord, upon our brothers and our sisters. Lord, we can look into the lives of others and see that it was a mighty hand of Jehovah. Lord, we pray, oh God, that you would lead us, Lord, as a family, as a church in unity, Father. Lord God, you've been so good to us, Father. But Lord Jesus, ahead of us, Father, our battles and fierce enemies, oh God, we must fight. Lord, give us strength tonight, Lord Jesus, by your word. Lord, as we pray for our brothers and our sisters, Father, may the power of the Holy Ghost be loosed upon us, Lord. Those that are unsaved, may you save them, Lord. Those that are weak in faith, may you strengthen them, Lord. Those, oh God, that he touched, will you touch them, Lord Jesus. We send the Holy Ghost after every lost son and daughter of God. Lord, we lay hands upon fathers and mothers, Lord, that are crying out for their children. Lord, we send the Holy Ghost tonight, Father. We lay hands upon those that are sick or have loved ones that are sick. Lord, would you touch them tonight, Father. Lord, we're binded together by the bonds of love. And your promise that love is the greatest force that's been given to humanity, Father. Lord, you cannot break that bond of love. The enemy cannot break that bond of love, Father. So Lord, we united tonight in bonds of love and prayer. As your spirit moves across this building tonight, may you meet every need in divine presence, Father. Every sickness, every unspoken request as our brother Johnny prayed, every need that your word has gone forth. Lord, may we accept it tonight. Accept our healing, accept our deliverance, accept every promise of God that's been made to us, Father. Lord, we pray for one another, Jesus. Oh, we pray for a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit, fanning the flames tonight, Lord. Send a fresh revival in our midst, oh God. Lord, a fresh revival of what is within us, moving our church in a mighty way. Move upon our children. Move upon our young people. Move upon our mothers and our fathers. Oh, Spirit of God, great Spirit of God, move in our midst, oh God. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in the past. But Lord, we're not just satisfied with what happened yesterday. We want a fresh move, a fresh experience, a fresh touch of the supernatural, Lord. Move in our midst, oh God, tonight, Father. As your spirit is brooding tonight, Father, moving our homes, moving our lives, moving our schools, moving our workplaces, Lord. Wherever we find ourselves, oh Spirit of God, go before us, Lord. Keep us in the way, Lord Jesus, that we can look back and know that it was a tender hand of Jehovah. Lord, we give you praise tonight and thank you for all that you've done. You would be so merciful to come by our way tonight, Lord. You will come, Lord, by our way, Lord. Come by us, Lord, insignificant people. Nothing, Lord, special in ourselves, but you would come and minister to us tonight. It's your goodness, Lord. Lord, that you would place a thought upon a brother, Lord, for months and months and not allowed to be ministered until this time. It's your goodness, Father. You would allow us to go through troubles and trials and bombardments of the enemy, Father. To know, Lord Jesus, that we just love you more. It's the goodness of God, Father. Lord, you would tug upon our heart. Allow Abraham, Lord, to get saved outside of a camp. Give his heart to you, Lord Jesus, outside of a chapel. Lord, not even in the tent, but Lord, he stepped out and you tugged on his heart. You deal with the Johnny, Lord, inside of his room. Lord, you deal with the Jean, Lord, in SFU, oh God. You deal with the Tom Ray, Lord, from a child desiring to be a preacher, Lord, and deal with his heart, bring him to a house. It's your goodness, Father. However you decide to speak and deal with our hearts, it's your goodness, Lord, and we thank you for it. And we can't help but give you praise. For it to love within our hearts that's projecting forth to you, our Father. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for this service tonight. In the precious name of the Lord we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
4: You're all dismissed. You all dismiss. God bless you. Do you love him? Amen. Words, words fail me to express my gratitude for His goodness. He's been a good God and I think that the word good is too poor. It's too poor for word to encompass all that He is to us. We love Him. Oh, the goodness of God. I didn't get to get to this part, but ultimately, God is good for giving us life, yes. For giving us health, yes. For healing us, yes. But to reveal Himself to us. That's the epitome of his goodness. The fact that you heard his voice. That's his goodness. Chick one out of the you all this may God bless you.